Welcome to the Springin' Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Parr, and this is the place to be for all things equestrian lifestyle, horses, entrepreneurship, as well as so much more. This is your insider's edition to what it's really like living in balance with your passion and your business. I'm so excited to have you guys here with me, so come along for the ride. Good morning, guys, or good afternoon or good evening. Hopefully it's not the middle of the night. I have been waiting desperately to record this intro for this podcast because I have been without a voice for like the last almost two weeks and this is as good as it gets. So hopefully I I think I sound almost better. But um, today's episode, I had Andreanne and Laurel come on from Ringside Media. I'm sure if you are one of the diehard listeners of this podcast, you are also in Ontario and you know Ringside Media. So this was a great episode. We talked about a lot of different topics that we usually don't cover because obviously they're not professional riders. Um, They're both involved in the equestrian industry very heavily. Um, But we talked about photography and building a business together and how that came about, Um, the challenges of being entrepreneurs, especially equestrian photographers, and also um, how they managed through the pandemic. And Laurel also founded the Horses Are Mental Health movement we saw back during the pandemic last year. So I wanted to get into that with them, um, talk about why they feel horses influence our mental health so heavily. I'm sure if you are an equestrian listening to this, you will very much relate. Uh, Lots of interesting topics like creative burnout and some of the challenges of being in the media, like people stealing photos for social media and how social media has impacted the way that the business runs and also just the equestrian industry in general. So I loved this episode. I know you guys will too. I hope to keep my voice and keep rolling on time um, for the rest of the year, but excited for Christmas, are you? I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if it feels like Christmas, it's raining right now. And um, I leave my Christmas shopping always to the last minute because that's just what I do. But I need to get going on it. And if you need to get going on it, there's lots of great niche little equestrian businesses in Ontario that you guys can support if you want a list of them, I'll probably be putting them on the Spring Next Social very soon. Um, and if you just want to know some ideas, you can DM me because I'm also kind of gathering my idea list for Christmas presents for my horse friends. So without further ado, make sure you guys let know, Rigside Media know that you enjoyed this episode, that you listen, share it, share it on your social. I will reshare it on mine and I'll let you get into it. This episode today has been brought to you by Mad Barn. You can visit their website at www.madbarn.com. At Mad Barn, they simplify your feeding program and focus on three pillars, nutrition, gut health, and performance. They have a comprehensive approach to feeding your equine companion and focus on providing the nutrients to your horse while nourishing their microbiome. This will help reduce costs, increase performance, and ultimately improve the well-being of your horse. You can get a completely customized supplement formula for your horse if you contact Mad Barn today, or if you're interested, you can use the discount code SPRINGANAC, spelled like it is on the website, and Instagram for 5% off your order. I will let you guys get back into this episode. 
Hi, I'm Laurel Jarvis from Ringside Media. I uh, have always been around horses. I grew up around them. I've ridden since for as long as I can remember, like at least three years old. And I just always wanted to stay involved in the industry. And when I went off to college, I had to find a way because I had to sell the horse. Um, and yeah, I just kind of picked up a camera and it just sort of evolved into Ringside Media. That's awesome. Yeah, quite short synopsis. I love it. Um, and were you always hoping that you could kind of pursue a profession in the equestrian industry from the beginning? I mean, it's always your childhood dream to be like, oh, I'm going to go to the Olympics. But you're like four years old and a crossrail terrifies you. <laughs> um, but I definitely didn't see like staying within the industry um, as part of like my future career. It just sort of happened. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just interesting how like things evolve and you can't really plan for how they turn out. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then we'll move on to Andrian. Hi, my name is Andrian Brunette, and I'm part of Ringside Media as well. Um, I got into horses when I was about six on like little trail rides at whatever place my parents would take me to. And that turned into like camps and then lessons and slowly got into showing. Uh, but unfortunately, when I went to university, I had to stop because I could no longer afford it, like most of us do when we are in horses, because it's not the cheapest of sports. Uh, so I wanted to, like Laurel, stay a part of the community. And I picked up a camera back when I was doing lessons just to take photos of friends at the barn. And then that slowly grew to going to the horse shows with them and taking photos when I wasn't showing. And then it grew to me one day just asking Laurel, like, hey, how did you get into the A circuit? I wanted like shoot that kind of horse shows and from there we kind of just created ringside media together i love that um i wanted to also get a little bit of background on you guys obviously then have your own brands so you have like laurel jarvis photography and then andre and Burnett photography and then you have ringside media so developing your own brand um i think for people listening that might be interested in getting, I mean, I think there's quite a few people who are interested in doing equestrian photography these days. There's lots of people who have an interest in media in general when it comes to horses. How did that evolve for you to a point where it was realistic that you could rely on it for income? Like, what did that look like from kind of the point where you started and you started building your own brand to going, okay, like I could, I can manage this. I could do this. And I'll hop back to Laurel to start on that one. Um, yeah, so originally I was shooting under my name and, you know, it was just taking photos of friends here and there. And then eventually I got invited out to like parks and like different venues and they're like, can you come shoot for us? And it just like slowly built over time. And then when Andre Ann came and shot with me, uh, she shot with me under my name for a year. And then I was just like, you know, we could like build this into something. And I don't think it's fair that we just shoot under my name because it's a collaborative process. So I wanted like something more like generic that could apply to like everyone who ever like worked with us. So that's how Ringside came to be. Awesome. And then Andrea, if you have anything to say about kind of the um, evolution of, of your own kind of brand and making your business something that can be a reliable income for you. 
Of course. Um, it kind of just started as like a part-time, like this is going to help me pay for lessons kind of thing when it started out. And then slowly as like more people got interested and I kept learning, it kind of built into something bigger, but I always kept a part-time job for the most part because it was never financially supporting me. Mm-hmm. I think in about after we had created Ringside Media, because definitely um, creating those connections with people at horse shows, which is what Ringside's allowed me to do, since I'm there almost every weekend at whatever horse show we're at, kind of helped me build connections to bring people more to do portraits with my business. Mm-hmm. So probably maybe two years after Ringside, after we really had gotten our roots down, people were starting to notice that like Ringside was very apparent at the horse shows. We were becoming like, okay, we can go to Ringside. They've like shoot everyone at the horse show. Um, I started to get more clients on the portrait side, which was great. And slowly that built into like with consistent marketing, of course, um, and now sustainable business that I can live off both together and not have to take part-time jobs or any full-time jobs I don't really want to do because this is what I love. Yeah, I love that. Um, And for people listening who, I think um, sometimes maybe not everyone is familiar with how the different streams of income that being a photographer or somebody working in media actually has and how that works. Do you guys want to speak to the structure a little bit about how you, uh, you know, where you kind of make a profit and how your photography system works and that kind of thing? Because it's something that I sometimes I don't know that people really understand. Yeah, so our, sorry, our system is basically all of our income for ringside comes off sales. People ask me all the time, they're like, oh, how much are you paid hourly? Like, who pays your wages? And like, yeah, it's it's us. We do it all ourselves. It's all our own marketing. It's all our own sales. Um, so that like kind of scares people away from like running their own business uh, because they realize there's like no secure source of income. And, you know, we've developed long enough over the years that, you know, we can show up a day at a horse show and expect to make income because there's definitely days in the beginning we could show up a whole week and not make anything easily yeah awesome point um and sales in people purchasing the proofs that you take at the show is that how it works yeah so we post all the proofs on our website and then they can purchase like digital copies prints um and then like we've done like a few publishing few commercial pieces as well yeah and then I guess for portraits or like specific appointments that you have that of course is then like packaged into a payment so it's kind of a guaranteed sale when you have portraits um Andrianne uh yeah so my packages for portraits always include social media files uh prints and canvases and everything else is uh extra costs that they can do on their own as well as photo books but definitely all the photos are always included for my portraits I don't like to keep those Awesome. Um, and then is there any hard lessons that you guys kind of learned or obstacles that you ran into when you were starting out or even now um, that kind of make you feel defeated or you lose motivation? And what keeps you connected to the passion that you have for it? Uh, definitely theft is a big one for us. Right. Uh, we have on our website the proofs that say like this image has been stolen if posted anywhere and there's also disclaimers that say we'll bill you like x amount of dollars and we still see hundreds of photos posted without permission online 
So like mess like we don't want to message people and be that bad person being like, oh, take this down. Uh, we're gonna bill you. Um, we hate doing that, and we want to share our photos with you, and we like appreciate so much that you love our photos. But you know, it comes out of our pocket. We have bills to pay. Photography isn't a cheap uh, business to run. Uh, there's a lot of equipment involved. Um, so yeah, there was definitely one year where theft was such a huge problem. And, you know, it got to the point where we just were like, what is even, why are we doing this? Because yeah. everyone's just stealing from us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's a realistic way to feel, I think, when that's happening. And I, I suppose, or from my own personal experience, it's becoming more and more prevalent that people are poking you know, online at each other, if they've noticed a photo that perhaps has a watermark or doesn't look like it's been purchased, which is great, because I know that social media has been wonderful in certain ways, marketing and networking and, and promoting, and then in other ways, it kind of produces those issues. So do you have anything else to add to that? Um, I think that's honestly it. It's the ceiling <laughs> yeah. is pretty much the worst thing. Um, I know for myself, super long horse show days all five days really tear me down because right. I love having free time at the end of the day to just like relax and decompress so that's something that I usually have to work on is um you know when I spend 20 hours a day almost every day working I get very much not a good mood by the end of the week <laughs> yeah for sure is there anything to do with like the initial investment in terms of the quality of pictures that you want to produce and like the equipment that you need that kind of thing um so I definitely think like if you want to start out in photography you should just get a basic intro camera and learn the basics you know master that camera and then move up to the next level and just like start building from there you definitely don't need like a top of the line camera right from the get-go it definitely helps in like tricky lighting situations like if you're at an indoor arena or something you know a higher quality camera is gonna have the pictures come out better because there's less lighting but honestly like just building and like developing your skill is the most important thing you can do it's just so much practice mm -hmm. yeah I'm sure you guys get so much <laughs> there's so many pictures to um what are some of your favorite and least favorite things about working with equestrians. Anyone want to take that one? <laughs> uh, some of my favorite things is like, I grew up with a lot of these people. Um, so like I was showing on the A circuit, like since my lead line days. Um, so I've watched a ton of people just like grow over the sport, like over the years and develop in the sport and like see new partnerships with their horses. And that's like pretty exciting and seeing like people you grow up with like become professionals now. And, you know, someone who had like a challenging year at the beginning and being successful at the end is like, like we may not even talk, but like I see your development. I'm like so excited for you. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Andrea? Um, I definitely just love meeting all the horses that I get to shoot, whether it's portraits are at the horse show because I get to pat every pony at the ring or at portraits I get to meet all the pretty imports all the pretty breeds so that's what I love with working with questions because since I don't have my own and I don't get to ride anymore I get to live vicariously through everyone I get to shoot Aww. 
Are there any challenges? Like I know sometimes on very rare occasions, the photographer is made out to be the bad guy if a horse spooks or, right? Like I'm thinking of those things. Like, does that ever happen to you? Um, my priority is always like rider safety. Like it is not a necessity that I have to be there or I need to be there. Um, so for me, like making sure that like horse and rider are always safe. I'm not in a spot where I'm going to spook someone is always on the top of my mind. If I see a horse like coming by me and staring at me, I'll take a step back and like, I won't move if they're like cantering beside me. Um, it's always on my mind. It's always like my top priority. <laughs> helpful to have photographers with real horse sense for sure like read the moment yeah <laughs> is there any candid shots that you guys find really do the best like engaged shots or people you know waiting for the order or like different things that you always find people kind of coming back to outside of the ring uh I definitely find that it's the ringside shots usually they'll see that you're down there taking photos and the next thing you know is that everyone standing ringside is now like patting the pony <laughs> in their horses which is totally fine I live for it but those are definitely the moments that everyone loves um and I know a lot of people love like the whole candid um kind of walking away with their ribbons either in the ring or like they're in the walkway at Paul Grave and they're walking back to the barns they love those now too awesome yeah, I was thinking maybe we could get a little philosophical on why, why, like, I know that photos are very sentimental for people, but obviously we take way more today than even 10 years ago, than even 20 years ago. So why do you feel there is such a prominence now of people wanting photos of every single show week of, of all of their, their mostly successes and good moments obviously and where is that coming from um with the the existence of social media nowadays everyone's trying to build a brand um or build an image and they want that perfect image although some people appreciate the fall photos just as much <laughs> as like the perfect niece um yeah everyone's just trying to build a brand and they want to show off what they're doing and especially like during COVID they're like we got to do a thing like it was so exciting right um, like people were so excited to be able to like ride and show again and they're like I got to do this and it was great and I love it um but yeah there's definitely like with social media they're trying to build a brand and there's so much more access to photos now with digital like before it was film you know you had to wait weeks to see the proofs and then send it back in the mail and then get it back in the mail and it just took forever, yeah. <laughs> which is fine. It was fine for back then, but you know, digital is so much more instantaneous now. Yeah, that's true for sure. Anything to add to that? Um, I think people after COVID, especially because I've noticed it, uh, realize just how special like having your moment captured to get those memories. Mm. Um, once you're like older, like your pony's gone or your horse has been leased out kind of thing. Uh, I think the whole like having that moment captured every week so you can see your progress as well when you're at horse shows and you can see how maybe like I've gone from the point eight to the meters this year like look how much progress I've had for this year now those kind of moments I know especially with like private clients everyone loves like the quiet moments that they get with their coach so that they can have like appreciation posts on their social medias for them or like post uh, photos with their family if they never come to see them very often for shows 
I honestly just think it's for the memories and everyone's more appreciative of those memories now that we have such a prevalent way of giving them photos so easily. Yeah, for sure. And can you guys talk a little bit about, there's been a rising popularity in the private clients um, at the horse shows. Can you talk about what that looks like um, from your perspective and also for people who are interested in that? Yeah, so the, the private client is, um, so especially like in Ontario and stuff, it's hard to have a photographer at every ring. Um, just the way the, like the, the system is set up, it's, you know, it's there in the States, there's huge companies like for photographers and they can have, you know, 20 people at 20 different rings and they can have someone everywhere. But for us, there's two of us trying to cover six, sometimes six rings. Um, so the private client comes out of wanting to make sure we capture that moment for you. And, you know, when you're standing at the side of the ring trying to get everyone, you just like focus on the ring. You're not paying attention to what's happening behind you. But when you have a private client, you can focus on that person individually. And there's like so many moments that happen just outside the ring. Like you get out of the ring. And even if you don't get a ribbon, it was like the best trip you've ever done. And you're so excited and you hug your horse you know, moments that would be missed if we weren't paying attention to what was happening behind us. And people like are really starting to appreciate that, you know, it's more than just perfect knees or su like super scope. It's, you know, that special like moment and bond between your horse and you. Yeah, for sure. And um, as far as that goes, is that like the same kind of retainer or package structure then for private clients? Uh, so, uh, do you mean like, are they all set in a price and everything like that? Yeah. Is that how it works or do they just, yeah, just so that people are, who are interested in either, you know, learning about it for their own business or also for most people listening, you know, interested in becoming a private client. What does that look like for them? Of course. Um, for myself and Laurel this year, we both did a daily package and a weekly package for clients. And the daily package, it would just be all the classes you did that day. Weekly, we'd catch you however many times you were showing from the Wednesday to Sunday. Um, I know a lot of photographers that also do this in the States usually just do the weekly and then they'll do a seasons package or like half season package, especially if it's for like someone like Wellington, which... <clears throat> I think both of us possibly want to do this year, but since COVID was still kind of prevalent, we didn't know what the season would really look like and whether horses would start, how many horses we'd have. So it wasn't really fair to kind of price out a full season without knowing what was actually going on. But like with those packages, you get all your photos from your days or day of showing. And it's from like warm up ring to candidates, walking up to the ring, back to the ring, moments with your family, your coach, friends, everything in between. I love that. I, when I was showing, it was like, there was five proofs that were on a strip you'd get in the mail and then you could pick from those and then mail it back and maybe get pictures in, in real yeah. print. <laughs> yeah. I think I still have a few of those strips. Yeah. And then you would take a picture of them with your camera so that you could have a digital copy. It was like a whole thing. But I love that. I feel like a lot of people, you know, it's it's definitely becoming more popular and you absolutely see a lot more of it prevalent in the U.S. And I think 
hopefully next year we have more of a dedicated season. And you mentioned the pandemic. And of course, this has been something for everyone the last basically, geez, I don't even know, two, almost two years. But yeah. how has that, how did that affect your business? What kind of pivots did you guys have to make? Um, and also wanted to get into a little bit about um, the horses or mental health movement that came from you know, being in the, the pandemic and kind of being away from our horses at that time, whoever wants to take that one first. Yeah, so when COVID hit, it was kind of unsure of when shows were going to start. And we're like, oh, no, this is our whole income now. Like, we have to completely, like, readjust how we approach um, everything, basically. And the first, like, first year, I think we started, like, two months late or something. And we were still, we were able to eventually get shows started. But, you know, we were restricted where, where we could go because you could only have like 10 people in a specific area. So we couldn't exactly get like the shots we wanted and we were stuck to one spot. And it was really challenging that way. Um, and then, you know, the next wave hit the next year and oh no, shows are getting delayed again. <laughs> what do we do? Um, like our whole summers are based around show season. So it has such a huge impact on us. Um, but once... Yeah, when shows started happening again, people were so excited to be able to do things and they're so excited to see photos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then as far as the horses are mental health, um, what did that, what spurred that on? And if you want to talk a little bit about your perspectives on it, we can go back to Andrianne to start maybe. Actually, Laura was the creator of this movement, so I'm going to let her start, and I can add on after. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so, you know, every year, uh, started when it was just me taking photos and then also carried over into ringside, we try to, like, raise some money or awareness or donate money to, like, a different cause. Um, so we donate to, I think, like, five different ones over the years. And then the pandemic hit, and it was taking a toll on everyone's mental health, and you know, earlier in the year, there's a specific day, like just one day where everyone talks about mental health. And it's like, no, we need to talk about it every day. Like, especially right now, it's hitting everyone hard. It's not just one day, it's every day. So I kind of started this, I was like, Andrea, do you want to just do this hashtag, we'll raise money and donate uh, like X amount of dollars to CAMH. And, you know, we didn't think much was going to happen. We're like, we'll give it a week. We'll get 300 shares or something like that. We'll donate $300. Um, yeah, it, it kind of exploded. Um, it turned into something like huge beyond what we were ever expecting. And we're like so grateful and appreciative. And it's amazing to see the support. But within, I think it was something like two or three hours. And we posted it like Monday night, I think it was. Uh, we already had over 300 shares and we went oh no like uh, we put a cap on how much we could donate we're a small business you know we can only take so much um we put a cap and within a few hours we'd already reached our goal and we still had another four days to go <laughs> um so we started reaching out to companies we're like hey this thing is happening you know it's getting recognized, like we're getting shares internationally across the world and, you know, Olympians are sharing this and it's turning into something huge. So we reached out to a few companies and asked, do you want to like donate? Do you want to support this cause? Like we want to keep raising money and donating like a dollar for each post that we create. And um, 
we got an amazing response. We had so many companies being like, yes, absolutely. We're in this, like, this is so important. And, you know, it was such an important topic, especially during the pandemic, we're all stuck at home. A lot of us couldn't see our horses um, because there was like strict uh, restrictions on who could be at the barn. It was essential people only. Um, and yeah, we just wanted something to be like, hey, you know, right now is hard and we should talk about mental health every day, but you know, we're kind of missing our horses. We wish we could be there. Let's just show our support on like how each of our horses support our mental health. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, well, I think it took off because so many people resonate with the fact that like their horses actually keep them sane. <laughs> I mean, everyone's do. And it's, I think that on top of being in the pandemic, I think that mental health is a topic that even just with people who are in the industry should be talked about more and more openly discussed because there's lots of things going on um, as we talk about in this podcast, but I'll hand it over to Andrea and then to add to that. Uh, I mean, Laurel pretty much covered it. It was definitely amazing to see. I mean, we started our Instagram after that and just took people who would like to share their stories about how their horses help their mental health and just shared that so that others could see that they weren't alone. A lot of people suffer with their mental health. A lot of people see their support with their horses or like their barn friends or the barn mates. Like it's that, I don't know, two hours, three, sometimes five hours away from like the rest of the world where you get to just completely shut it out, be with your horse, focus on your horse, focus on something completely different and forget all the worries in the world that you've had as soon as you have to step back outside that barn. Yeah. What are your own personal experiences with horses and their impact on you mentally, your mental health? I mean, for me, I was bullied all throughout elementary school. So the barn definitely became my safe haven during those times. Um, and definitely just kept me sane because by the end of elementary school, I had absolutely no friends. It was just me and going to the barn every week. Um, in high school, they just, since I took a lot of like higher end classes and was doing all the sciences, I was always stressed. And the one place I could go to just like de-stress, forget about all the schoolwork I had to do was go to the barn and hang out with friends and just like sit in the field with my horse and like pet him and show him how much I loved him kind of thing. Yeah, I think that so many people can relate to that. Um, and Laurel, do you have any personal experience with, with horses and their impact on your mental health? Yeah, so I didn't really realize like how much a part of my life, like I knew they were part of my life, but how much a part of my life they were until like I didn't have my horse anymore. You know, I was going to college, I was riding on the weekends, um, just like whatever horse I could find. And then eventually I went to university and had like no horses like whatsoever. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> um, I miss being at the barn, you know, it's just like, even just like grooming your horses is so therapeutic. Someone like posted, I, it was so long ago, but someone posted like a photo of them like bathing their horse. I was like, I miss bathing horses. Like it's such a pain to do, but like I miss doing it so much. Um, so eventually like, uh, I part, I part boarded a horse because, you know, I've been riding for 20 years and I'm not even going to pretend I know anything or like everything about riding. There's so much to know. It's impossible. But I was going to take lessons, but, you know, they were getting expensive and I decided to just part board a horse where I could ride like X amount of times a week for basically the same price, but like versus like once a week lessons. Um, 
and it uh yeah it was really good to like get back and like kind of do something familiar because university felt very unfamiliar to me um yeah and horses just like kind of were there and yeah yeah yeah, I think that uh, you guys mentioned having the same experience as, as I did was that, you know, you have you ride as a kid all the way up to the point where you're like going to go off to school. And of course, maintaining a horse through university or actually just paying for university in general is hard. And you had to part ways and then you realize the empty hole that's left in your life when you all of a sudden don't have that consistent uh, connection with with the horse or the barn or your friends or whatever it might be. So I think it's, I think it's very uh, relevant and horses are definitely cathartic for all of us. But um, changing gears a little, I wanted to talk about uh, if you guys have a favorite ring to shoot, a favorite type of photo to shoot or place to shoot or whatever kind of photography that you're doing that day that is your favorite type. I wanted to kind of get into your personal interests with that. Um, whoever wants to go first. Does this have to be horse show related? No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I definitely love shooting horses in the mountains or with mountains in the background since um I have traveled to Europe a couple of times to do photography tours with horses that's definitely what makes me the happiest is just horses free running around I have mountains in the background or they're on a beach and they're galloping through the ocean that's kind of what I love the most when I shoot horses it doesn't even seem real <laughs> but... real either <laughs> Yeah, that is just the coolest thing. Well, yeah, I see her. I see her photos when she goes on these tours, and I was like, "Where was I? Why was yeah. I not there?" It doesn't I, I've, real. <laughs> I've never done these tours. I I'm like, I really need to go next time because like this this scenery is just absolutely killing it. Amazing. Um. Yeah. So I don't do like portraits as much. I I do do them sometimes. Um. So like sort of in the off season, I kind of got into like more sports and stuff. So I shoot sports throughout like the, the non-horse show season, but like, it's like having done that has helped me shoot horses better. You know, you see the same, like the same horses like day in and day out. And you're like, how can I make this different? And like going and shooting something like completely different kind of makes you reapproach the thing that you see every day in a new way. So, um, yeah, but for like favorite, ooh, favorite spots, I really like, some people don't, or no, a lot of people do actually, the new hunter rings at Angel Stone with the green shrubbery, I love putting them in the foreground, uh, some people don't want the foreground in their photos, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna do it, because this is what I like, um, is becoming a bit of a favorite of mine, um, it just adds like depth to the photo, and like adds a little extra element, there's like flowers you can add in sometimes too just like trying to change up the distance between you and the horse and rider and the like adding a bit of color it was like a trick uh, a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago now I did like 13 mini portrait sessions in one day and I was like how do I make this interesting and like different and like exciting for each person and like it was adding that foreground in and there's a few tricks I learned from Andre I'm looking at her photos <laughs> 
No, I love it. Um, is there any, so I know that obviously when you're at the horse shows, most of the time you're taking photos where people aren't trying to like model or pose, but do you have tricks for people who are hoping to then purchase these photos? Is there any time where you're like, oh, that photo would have been perfect if that person didn't just stick the tongue out the side of their face? Like what, what, what are some tips and tricks for when you're at the horse show and you're around the horse show and you're expecting to go on the website later and look for your photos? You know, what can people do to make those photos look good and appealing? Uh, we definitely get some interesting over friends' faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like the, the cheek puffers and like yeah. the tongue sticker outers and like the eyes are always closed over the fences. <laughs> oh um, and there's like the holding on for dear life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we see those. <laughs> we see those a lot. Um, I would say like more specifically for private clients, because if, if we're just shooting a ring, just like to shoot everyone, we might not necessarily get you, but, um, you, uh, I would say like interacting with your horse for like private clients, you know, some people just get off their horse and like stand like 20 feet away from it. And I'm like, go, go interact with your horse and be cute. And I want to get photos of like you being adorable with your horse. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely for the private clients it's just I find the ones that like completely ignore that I'm there which I'm thankful they do like we'll say hellos I'll have a conversation with them but then once they're in horse show mode it's like I know they're taking photos of me but you don't exist right now because I need to focus that's what I love because then I can capture like the true moments of their horse show then they're not so much paying attention to me being there they're just doing exactly what they would do of course if they're on the ground I definitely want them to be cute cuddly which at that point, if it's after their show day and they're just waiting, they 100% are just mauling their horse with love. And I absolutely love it. But I definitely just ignore me. <clears throat> Act like I'm not there. Just love, love on your horse. I will wait for the moment to happen. If that means holding my camera for a full 10 minutes while you're there with your horse, I will hold it for 10 minutes waiting for the moment to come. Oh, yeah, I love that. Do you, just in thinking while we're talking, do you guys ever get creative burnout? Like, do you ever need to find inspiration looking at other pictures and other tactics and trying new things? Because I feel like it's obviously you're getting a lot of variety within what you're doing, but it's also very repetitive. And I wondered if that's something that you ever struggle with. Yeah. So about by like the time, by the end of the show season, we're like, oh, it's the same rings. It's the same horses. And like that gets a little exhausting sometimes. Mm -hmm. um but some we'll look at other people's photos and be like how did they see that like this same venue or the same place how did they see it from that perspective um and it's always good to even just like people looking at people's photos from venues you've never even been to it's it's looking at different perspectives of the same thing um we get into some weird position <laughs> like we're we're hiding behind trees not spooking horses but like kind of like ducking between trees to like trying to get like the perfect shot like between the leaves as they're blowing in the wind you gotta wait um so yeah it's it's looking at like definitely looking at different people has helped um just like different different ways you can look at the same venue I mean I've been at Paul Gray for like 25 years 25 years uh, it's definitely changed over the years and um especially after the Pan Am games it was like a whole different venue to shoot at but 
yeah we're you the beginning of the show season we're feeling fresh and ready and ready to take it on a little but by the end of the season we're like how do we make this new how do we change this uh-huh. yeah uh, for myself, I actually have a mentor that I work with who we're working on different things to get me to um, different horse shows on top of it. But she definitely pushes me to like, all right, these are the photos you're looking at. I want you to do this type now. And I, in between either shooting my clients or shooting for ringside, I'll try to see if I can produce the photos that she'd like. So one day it was um, get more journalistic, stick at your one lens type and just show me a horse show day and I just kind of like went around the entire property of Caledon trying to find different spots which was a lot of fun because then I found new spots that I didn't even think about shooting in so that's kind of what helps me and then I also um I find a lot of inspiration from an f1 photographer that I follow who just he does everything so differently and so beautifully so I pull a lot of things from him because he uses like the architecture of where he's shooting he uses all the lighting situations and he just <clears throat> does like the whole panning images where the one subject is in focus and everything else is just blurred. He does a lot of that too. And I just pull a lot of inspiration from his work to kind of bring into and work into a horse show kind of photo. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be like the same sport. Like you can find inspiration from like literally anything. You're like, oh, this is a tree. How did they look at this tree? Yeah. How could I take this approach of a tree and apply it to like what I shoot? yeah um, and there, there was like one day I this year I kept relying on one lens and I was like I keep getting the same same shot with the same lens you know we're halfway through the season how can I change this up so I went to the show for the like the evening and I brought a different lens and I only brought that lens and I was like this is the only lens I'm using it's the different what I normally use and this is all I have how can I make it work yeah and I like force yourself to try things I think it's the same with like um I find that if I'm, I'm consuming a lot of the same content that I like produce a lot of the same stuff so that's what I mean with like creative burnout you're just doing the same thing over and over you got to find but like you said especially with photography basically anything is is up for for grabs but um I wondered a little bit about uh, as we were talking also I'm just gonna throw questions at you guys that I did. One of them is uh, relationships with other photographers or photography companies or media companies. Like, is there any uh, competitiveness? Is there any contentious nature? How do you, how does the work thing work in Ontario where you can, can you just show up at venues, right? Because in the States, a lot of the time you have to buy passes, you have to be kind of um, invited to go places or there's excluded areas that you're not allowed to be in. So how does that structure work and, and how have you developed relationships over time? Um, is there any, like, do you have to compete with other companies or media agencies, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, so I'll always give like priority to, to the like official photographer at the event. Like they're there to cover for the organizers of the event and I'm not gonna get in their way, but you know, I'm happy to share the space. Like when we were the official, we had to step down because I was in school. When we were the official, um, you know, I was happy to share like venues with people. Like I can't get everyone realistically, you know, six rings, one person or two people. And especially now there's multiple shows happening the same weekend. 
So there's two of us trying to cover up to 10 rings a day at two different venues. It's, it's not going to happen. There's definitely room to like share and stuff. And, you know, I'm happy to shoot with other people. It doesn't bother me. Um, there is the, like the new structure moving into Canada now where like the official is there and uh, freelance photographers have to pay to be there. And I'm still like, that's fine. You know, we're a vendor basically. Um, so yeah, but I, I do think that like, you know, I don't understand like why photographers get treated differently than other vendors. You know, there's like some places that it's, it's only the official that's it. And there'll be one person covering five rings and everyone else will get missed. And it's like, well, we could have been there, but like there was a strict rule that like outside people weren't, weren't allowed. And, you know, we'd have paid to be there, but it wasn't permitted. <laughs> yeah um so, so that venue is like you know people hire their own farriers they hire their own coaches they they can hire whoever they want but apparently that draws the line of photographers and yeah. you know sometimes that seems a little unfair well it's interesting that that's the case because i think that um it would benefit the riders and the participants more to have more to choose from right it doesn't really necessarily affect anything other than that just giving them more variety and and being a vendor but i'll pop over to Andrian. I mean, a lot with the rise of private clients, I don't really think there's like there's competition, but there's not that much. You're not all competing for the same clients. There's like hundreds of people showing a week at multiple different venues. There's so many people to catch. And as like either one person or two people, you're never going to catch them all. Even as a private client photographer, even as an official, you're never going to catch them all. So there's really there's like no need to be competing with anyone because you're all just shooting so many people a week or you're shooting your set clients for the week. It's always the same and it's definitely a big problem for some horse shows where they only allow the one official and some people just like different styles of photos maybe you catch these amazing in the ring shots and someone else catches like these fantastic candidates that they like or some of them are more stylistic with the photos and creative someone's more journalistic everyone has their own like likes and dislikes with photos that they want and to be able to choose who you get to have photography would be extremely beneficial to the riders yeah no one's going to take the same exact photos ever, really. So, um, but yeah, that's interesting. And, and it's good to talk about it because I don't think people really understand how it even works if they're not into media or photography. So um, definitely something to consider. Have you guys ever dealt yourselves with a lack of confidence or feeling like you were in a rut or you're not performing the way you want to in your business that kind of thing and how have you managed those feelings um yeah I think the the first post we made on like the horses are meant to help like uh posting sharing stories was mine and my severe imposter syndrome Right. Every single photo I take, I'm just like, oh, well, I could have done this. I should have done this. This could have been better. Like, why didn't I do this? I missed this. And like, you know, people buy a photo and I'm like, why would you do this? <laughs> why would you buy my photos? There's so many, many other people like who take such better photos than me. And like, I have huge imposter syndrome. Um, and like, it, it still affects me every single day, every single photo I take is just me like critiquing it to like the tiniest little bit and yeah yeah, yeah every, it impacts me every single day every single thing I shoot 
Well, I mean, um, I, I think that it never actually goes away. Everyone I talk to says that at least, but um, there is something to be said about kind of like settling into your own style and then finding confidence within that and validation yeah. the fact that, you know, people obviously are purchasing your photos and liking them, that kind of thing. So probably taking time to, to sit and not necessarily critique, but I know it's hard when you're probably a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There, there's been like a few times where I'll see a photo and I'll be like, oh, that's a nice photo. I wonder who took that. And then it would be me. And I'm like, that's not right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a great example. What a great example of self-critique. I think for everyone, <laughs> like not knowing it's yours and be like, oh, that's cute. And then, <laughs> oh my God. So good. All right, Andrean. Uh, definitely it's been prevalent for every year. I think this year is the year I've become most comfortable with my work and the most happy with it. I've like nailed down my portrait styles that I like. I've like entered this new world where I take like more journalistic detailed horse show photos that I love. And like I'm shooting horses now how I would like to shoot them. It's not just um, how I usually shop them for ringside, which is like always the same shot of the same rider of the same fence for the whole day, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever it was we were doing. <clears throat> I've kind of like taken a bit of a step back and like, when I need the time, I will just go off and do some creative photos that kind of make me happy, keep me sane. And then I go right back to the range that I need. But definitely the imposterism is like always there. Just this year, it's like slowly melted itself down a little bit. I'm under control at the moment. <laughs> awesome. Um, another question I was thinking of when we were talking is uh, because you're doing something that obviously is like your passion and started out what was probably a hobby at some point in time. And now it's uh, a modality that you're doing for work. You have to show up, you have to make money. Does it ever, do you ever kind of lose that passionate flair for photography and then have to find ways to, to get it back? Cause I know as a trainer, like um, obviously I like to ride horses, but when I'm riding, you know, like seven horses a day, it's not like, oh my God, I'm so excited to get on this next horse. Right. So I just wonder if you deal with that, you know, because it's a creative outlet on top of now you have to, like, it's a necessity. You have to do it to, to, to make the money and you have to show up for people. Yeah, there's definitely days where I wake up in the morning and, you know, I went to bed three hours ago and I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to go today. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I don't want to be there. And it's been a lot of years of self-discipline and, you know, it's, it's in your mind, like, yeah, I probably could not go today and that would be fine. Like no one's going to die if I'm not there, everything's going to be okay. Um, but you know, I, I have bills to pay. I need to show up to work and people expect me to be there. People appreciate when I'm there. Um, I, appreciate being there once I'm finally there I'm usually like okay this is this is better um but there's definitely days where like two o'clock hits you've been there for seven hours already and you're like oh is it time to go home yet <laughs> and there's still like a hundred more trips in the day and you're just like oh, I could I just want to like go binge watch Netflix right now <laughs> I'm so tired um it, it definitely hits a bit harder in the later in the season and we use the rain as a bit of an excuse to take a day off sometimes if we don't have to be there if it's raining really hard we're like ah no not for eight photos it's fine I'm just gonna stay in bed yeah, yeah. for sure 
Um, Audrey, yeah. you have to, do you want to add to that? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I definitely suffer from burnout a lot, especially uh, this year, we kind of had a horse show every single weekend, which is like our first year of like consistently just being at a horse show every day of the week almost. And that really took a toll on me. Um, so definitely this year learned I need weeks off, whether there's a horse show or not, I'll just have to schedule a week off and be like, so sorry, but I need this time to like for myself. So I don't burn out by the end of the season. And I also just like, will do creative shoots on my own. I mean, um, in 2020 to help with my burnout, I created like my braid project and I just like, I'll figure out a style of braid that I want to do find someone's horse that would work for it and then go from there and then that's where I kind of let my creativity fly so like this year I did my pride braids but they were with paint instead on a white horse and that just like made my soul happy that I could do something that wasn't just at a horse show um sometimes I'll like set up shoots with like horse briefs that I'd like to shoot like if I want to get creative with a Frisian or shoot some heavy horses, I'll try to find someone and just say like, I just want to spend some time in your field to shoot your horses for fun. Um, just like I can be creative. You can get some photos out of it for free just so that I get to do something different and like help my creativity continue. And I don't get burnt out doing the exact same thing every day. Yeah. I love that. I think that um, sometimes I'm sure it's just like my job where, where sometimes people will go, um, oh my gosh, that is so exciting and fun that you get to do what you love for work. And you just kind of go, oh my gosh, if you only knew. And I'm sure that people do that to photographers where they're like, wow, you get to take pictures all day. That's so fun. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize the amount of hours that go into it. Like, if the horse show is from eight to five, that right there is what, like a 13 hour day? Uh -huh. Or, sorry, not 13, um, nine hour day. Um, but we have to get up at like six to be there. And then we're editing till like 12 o'clock in the morning. And that would be a short day for us. And people are like, oh, you're so lucky you get a week off. And I'm like, yeah, but the weeks that I'm working, I'm working like, up to 20 hours a day so they're like I need a week off every so often because like I don't get time off otherwise yeah and so when for sure yeah so when there's like a show every single week this year it was like yeah we need like we're not here for this day and I'm not gonna feel bad about it because like it, it's really long show season even yeah. in a compressed season though yeah and it's it's typical like being an entrepreneur too, because people look at the hours you put in and then they don't even look at like the time, for instance, that you spend doing all the backend stuff, but when you're not at the show. So there's that on top of it. Um, but it's great for, I think this episode is great for people who are at all interested in pursuing photography or just wanting to be a part of it or learning on how you guys structure your business. Is there any, um, takeaways kind of from being in your positions that you would share with people if they're interested in perhaps pursuing a career in photography? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure people are tired of hearing this, but like practice does make such a difference. Yeah. Uh, before it was even trendy, I like was like, hey, here's a photo I did 10 years ago. And here's what I took today. Like, look at the difference. It's just, you know, there's 200,000 photos taken in between each one. Um, 
so practice and like I would say like commitment um you know like I went into photography like it I wasn't planning on going into photography but like once I was in it I was like committed like my summers people were like oh what are you doing for a summer job you can like go work here they're hiring I'm like no I gotta be at the horse show I'm taking photos like I was determined to be there I was determined to like grow as a business and you know, develop into what it is today and yeah so I was just committed to doing it and I I always say like try to learn from those either that know more than you or or the style that you'd like to learn like don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions whether they answer or not you at least try like feel free to learn from others definitely especially with the horse show like if you want to learn structure and how it's done and all the back end stuff work with a horse show company. Uh, if you want to do the same with portraits, try to mentor with a port, uh, portrait photographer. And like for me myself, I would always look at someone's photo that I absolutely loved and try to learn how they got that shot and teach my eye how they get that shot. And then when you're constantly teaching your eye how to see those things, you're constantly like you're starting to see your own kind of vision of what you'd like to take for photos. And it's really just teaching your eye to see the shots that you want to take. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, like most creative things, it's just iteration of an iteration and iteration and iteration. So um, great advice for anybody who's kind of interested. Is there anything that you feel is on your heart, an issue or topic that's prevalent in our industry or that you've kind of observed over the years watching uh, the rings and watching people, anything that you guys you know, think should be talked or discussed more? Um, it like kind of ties into like our mental health like initiative thing, you know, we're at the rings a lot. And sometimes we see a bit of like bullying going on or, you know, like not some nice things said about other people. And it's like, you know, we're in a sport where we're paying a lot of people to judge us. And like, that's hard enough on our mental health. And like, we should all just be supporting one we should just be supporting one another um yeah there's no reason to like start attacking other people it's a little unnecessary um I yeah I love the like the sportsmanship moments that I see at the ring it just like makes my heart go um so yeah when I see like less than ideal sportsmanship moments I'm just like that's not nice let's let, let's try a little harder yeah for sure I'm not sure if I have anything. I mean, I definitely just try to see the best of the best one in there for the day. Like, unfortunately, as far as you're standing there, you see everything that happens at the horse show and you just try to, you know, maybe if it happens once or twice, it's fine. And you don't really pay attention to the bad stuff. You try to, like, I try to focus on the really good moments of every rider in the ring and whether in or out of the ring. So I don't see anything that we need to really fix or talk about. I mean, other than stealing photos, yeah. We can really just stop stealing the photos. That's my only thing. <laughs> it really hurts me when that happens. Yeah. No, for sure. I think uh, two really good points. Like there is at times a lack of camaraderie in the sport. It's not a new thing. It's not a new topic. We see it all the time, really. And with social media, it also becomes tricky because people are putting more intrinsic and external pressure on themselves and their performance. And 
um, everybody's heavily influenced by it. And what also is influenced by social media is stealing photos. So um, yeah, definitely great topics for, for everybody today. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down and do this. I think that, um, you know, being young entrepreneurs and having, you know, great morals and values with your business and kind of bringing light to to positive situations is just another great way to kind of wrap up your brand together and i love it so thank you so much thank you for having us that is everything for today's episode I hope that you guys enjoyed it and found it interesting. Um, it's definitely a little bit of a different dynamic when we're interviewing more than one person. It's always a little bit of a challenge over Zoom because the conversation doesn't flow as naturally, but the girls did really well with this. I always challenge as an interviewer trying to you know, make it fair and then like leave enough space for people to talk. So if we babbled on top of each other a little bit, it's only just because virtually it's a little bit harder to have a conversation. So I appreciate you guys. Um, taking note of that. And I hope that you have a wonderful day, whatever day it is. I'm excited for next week's episode and for you guys to hear it as well. If you liked this one, make sure you reach out to Ringside Media and also please let me know, share it in your stories, send me a DM and tell me how much you've been enjoying the podcast. Um, I've been getting lots of these lately and it, it really like makes my day. Honestly, guys, it's just like people saying, listen, I've listened to this episode and it, it really inspired me in this way. And this is who I think you should have on next. Like something like that has just been really great hearing your feedback. I really appreciate it because this podcast is of course for you. It takes up a little bit of my time and it's just a fun, interesting kind of side thing to do. So I want it to be what you want to listen to. Um, make sure you just reach out and let me know if there's anyone you want to hear from. So have a great day and I'll see you next week.